From Discarded Soap to Global Health, an interview with Derek Kayongo. In this inspiring interview, we sit down with Derek Kayongo, and I'm so excited for that. He's the founder of The Soap Project, a humanitarian aid organization that has distributed soap to in-need populations in over 90 countries. From a simple observation about the massive amount of soap being discarded in hotels, Derek had a creative idea to reprocess the soap and distribute it to those in need around the world. His efforts have had a tremendous impact on improving hygiene-related illnesses in communities with limited resources. His incredible personal story and principles are what fueled his success. He identifies key factors for success with the memorable acronym SELF, S-E-L-F, service, education, leadership, and faith. Join us as we learn from Derek's experiences and gain insights to how to turn challenges into opportunities for growth and innovation. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show. You're about to go on a wellness driven ride. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm very honored to introduce our guest today. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Derek Kayango is the founder of Global Soap Project, which is the humanitarian aid organization that collects discarded and unused soap from thousands of hotels worldwide, reprocesses it, then distributes it to in-need populations around the world. The project was born from his simple observation about how much soap is available in hotels, and how much is thrown away when hotel rooms are turned. This simple observation became an innovative idea that is now battling global health issues in 90 countries. Hygiene-related diseases and the resulting deaths have dissipated in many at-risk communities, thanks in part to Derek's creative problem-solving. Derek's passion for helping others and commitment to innovative thinking led him to the role of CEO of the National Center for Civil and Human Rights. During his time as CEO, he elevated the global visibility of the center, showcasing stories of victims of civil rights abuse and the heroic actions that changed the country's history. 
Derek Kiongo is an internationally recognized visionary and humanitarian. The Global Soap Project demonstrates his creativity and innovation, making him a leader in both global health and environmental sustainability. Now, if that isn't impressive, and if we couldn't learn from somebody more qualified, please help me welcome Derek Kiongo. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. It is such an honor to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, April. So let's give the audience a little bit of background because you, you have such an incredible story which really thrived you into what you do today. So would you like to share yourself? My goodness, um, it's a long story, but we're going to make it very brief and, and, but, but, but powerfully interesting. I'm originally Ugandan, and most people don't know where Uganda is, but it's a little small country in East Africa um, that we call the Pal of Africa, and a lot of people call us the Pal because Churchill called us that. But we also pride ourselves in the fact that we are the source of the Nile, which is a great, great uh, idea, because without this, the river now, there's no Egypt. Am I right? There's no Egypt. Yeah. And so um, I left my beautiful country to become a refugee during the Idi Amin era. Uh, those of you who are older, you know that Idi Amin was a reprobate, uh, a gargantuan reprobate. In fact, Forrest Whitaker acted a movie about him in The, the Last King of Scotland, if you remember. Mm. And so that guy led us to leave the country to become refugees in Kenya, where I grew up. And I was raised by, guess who? An American woman from Pittsburgh. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've never met women from Pittsburgh, man, they're just like the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're tough. <laughs> <laughs> And so then I left, uh, I, I grew up in Nairobi um, and uh, then left to come to the U.S. to go to school and uh, where I landed into Philadelphia. And that's when I first saw hotel soap being uh, thrown away by the hotel after using it for one time. They would bring in brand new soap. And I said, what is happening to the other soap? And so that's how we ended up into this idea of the Global Soap Project, which we will talk about later. But uh, that's a little bit about me. I'm very Ugandan, but very American and very Brit. <laughs> so there was kind of a unique story when, you know, you were a refugee and you came to America and there, there was something about where you landed. Can mm -hmm. you tell a little bit about that? Well, I landed in the city of brotherly love, uh, which most people know as uh, Philadelphia. Um, and uh, if you've never been to Philadelphia, you ought to go. It's a, uh, there's nothing like a cheesesteak uh, from Philadelphia. <laughs> but then I check into this hotel, and when I get into the hotel, I'm fascinated. There are three bars of soap in my hotel room. There's special soap, body soap, and hand-washing soap. Mm. And I thought to myself, okay, this is interesting. Um, I'd never been around uh, three bars of soap that said facial soap and body soap and hand wash because my father made soap. Uh, I, I grew up in a family that had soap, making, soap makers. So I said, ah, this American's being bougie. Uh, I'm going to take the two bars, put them in my bag, and I'll use the, the one bar. But it turned out that uh, uh, they said to bring more soap and more soap and more soap and say stealing more soap and more soap. <laughs> and that's how we began <laughs> with this whole story. But Philadelphia is where it begins. Philadelphia is where it begins, yes. Yeah, I thought, you know, it was really symbolic. So when mm -hmm. I heard that, I, I really enjoyed it. 
you know, the, the, the brotherly love, the welcome, you know, yes. based on your circumstances, to me, mm -hmm. it's this symbology when you're a refugee of, you know, I've landed at a safe Harbor. I am mm -hmm. welcomed. This is the mm -hmm. new beginning. There's so mm -hmm. much in that, that it is telling for you. It's like this foresight for you. Um, when I hear that and I think of it, and then when we go to the soap, I, I think that it was really on your mind and the forefront mm -hmm. of your mind, because like you said, you're, you grew up learning about soap, making soap. So you, you knew what it was, and then you came to a, a time in your life when you didn't have it. And so mm -hmm. when you came back and you saw plenty and a plethora of it, you were like, oh my gosh, you know there's so much waste. What can we do? And so that's where the innovative mind starts coming in when you knew that there was a need that was greater than yourself. Yeah. And, and I think that that's what most people who have been innovators uh, are, are known for uh, from Benjamin Franklin, who I think owns the most patents in the U S as a, as, as a former Philadelphian, if, if I may put it that way. Um, if you talk to anybody who has ever done something special or interesting, it starts with the power of observation. And observation is a, is a very interesting thing because it's, it's this introspection. It's a form of wellness, if you want to put it that way. You go into your spirit and into your heart and into your day, and you reflect on things. Mm -hmm. uh, most people who don't do that, who are not in that space, usually don't see obvious things uh, that you and I pass by every day. Um, so it... it that landing in Philadelphia was remarkable, was unbelievable. But I knew that I was, gonna, I was gonna be in a country that was full of people that are innovative. America is all about innovation. It's about reinventing yourself. It's about carving out a niche. So that's how I landed. And I think that's how I begin to really have that powerful expression because Philadelphia is where you have that big bell, you know, the uh, independence yeah. bell, you know. <laughs> But that's where also Rocky finds himself and does this remarkable fight. So that's how I was feeling when I landed in Philadelphia, that Rocky moment. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's, that's wonderful. So cool. Um, yes. So, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about when you talk about an innovative and creative mind. Yeah. And, you know, you come from, you've seen some of the worst of the worst. And it makes me mm -hmm. think of Viktor Frankl's story, you know, when those... Yes. And I'm sure you're aware of that. So the people who have really gone through these extraordinarily circumstances where it, it was the worst of the worst and, you know, they've gotten through that based on their mindset and their, you know, what they wanted for the future, the outcome that they mm -hmm. wanted, the, the belief that there was something greater on the other side. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even when you've lost so much and you've seen so much terror and- yes you know, how that propels us into something, you know, greater, but that, that starts triggering the mind to be more observant in a different way, at, such as you said. Yeah. Um, April, uh, you think about all those of us that are, have been once religious or spiritual or anything like that. Uh, we go in that space because we want to look for something that would take us to such low places to uncover who we really are. Your true self is based on unpacking and opening up your whole self to the notion that is before you. So for me, um, I was not going to come to the United States 
and be a regular dude. That, that was not going to happen for me. I was going to be that person that really cares about this country and the care, the, that, that caring would open me to opportunity. And I think that's what I was really looking for, is that uh, that self-discovery begins in the U.S., and then you use that self-discovery to do something remarkable. So that's where I begin my journey and my spirituality and, and, and focus on building this organization called the Global Soft Project. Yeah. So um, what I love about something that you that you mentioned to me is you, mm -hmm. you've talked about um, surviving war as a child mm -hmm. and, you know, coming out of that experience. You, you, you can do it in a couple different ways, right? Yeah. You're defeated and, yes. and that's it. And, and you're kind of zombie-ish throughout the rest of your life because that's absolutely what can happen. That's a choice. Yeah. That's a product of or you can come out the way that you have obviously displayed how you're showing up in the world today, which mm -hmm. brings us to this, this creative idea of, okay, I want to help make a change. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, when, when you see things like that, that are so catastrophic, mm -hmm. um, war, genocide, all of that. And you think, well, how can we personally make a change and, and do something greater so that this never happens again? Mm -hmm. We don't want to be repeating history. So correct here's a start for you and let's bring this into the screen. Let's, yes. let's talk about this. And I'm going to actually, um, I'm going to take this down. I'm going to take our, uh, this off so we can see the pictures clearer and let, let's talk about this, Derek. This is mm -hmm. your global soap project. And, um, this, this is a whole story. You gave me so many, so many cool things. So this is a picture of Africa. Yes. There's, Uganda, where, where you came from. Yes. The little size, it's the size of Oregon. Uh, it has more people. Uh, it has about 50 million people. So Oregon is comparably small in terms of population. But that little country is very fascinating uh, in that uh, uh, it has more James Bond movies acted about Uganda. Everybody who made fun about uh, the reprobate leaders of Africa, they would say, what are you, idiot? I mean, everybody. <laughs> so we, we, we entered the world lexicon through idiot. I mean, but we, we are great runners, April. We are fantastic runners. Um, I tell Americans every time I see them running the Boston Marathon and everything, I say, please do not. You're going to embarrass the whole Western world. <laughs> Don't run. <laughs> Leave the running to the Ugandans and the Kenyans and the Africans. So. <laughs> I think you're that's, not Yeah, wrong. that's Uganda. Yeah, <laughs> that's Uganda for you. That's where I'm mm. from, yes. He's that's the River good. Nile. Now, yeah. But, but this is a, a beautiful country with a plethora of unique resources. And yes. So this is, this is a photo of you as a child. I'll let you take over. Yeah. Yeah, I was five years old then. And um, I was, uh, this is, I have two photographs of myself that are left after the war, and this is one of them. And uh, that's Lake Victoria, and um, my dad and mom had taken me. We had a picnic, and we had gone to, you know, hang out. Those were the good old days, but as you can tell, I was a happy child, even though I look like one of those kids that doesn't like to take photographs, but I was actually a happy child. <laughs> Derek, I think it's incredible. I, I was going over these photos with my husband. I was like, it's, it's incredible. He, he still has some photographs yeah. from his childhood. Yeah. yeah. Ah, 
there's mom and dad. Um, I, I usually bring this photograph up because in America or in the West, the only way to inspire yourself for the most part is Americans read a lot of self-help books. Am I right? Yes, a lot of self-help books. Yeah. <laughs> you know, five, seven habits of highly effective people, you know. Uh, That's my favorite. <laughs> I mean, just seven, really? Just seven? Okay. Um, <laughs> but for us in Africa, um, April, our inspiration comes from uh, our parents. Um, and not that every child has a good parent, but if you have a good mother, um, April, that's one of the most lovely gifts you can ever get. Mm. A good father, uh, a father that loves you and takes care of you. Derek, no you're going to make me cry. <laughs> cry <myself. laughs> There's no self-help book that can ever do that. Up to this very day, my mother calls me every week and leaves me a song. She sings in my mother tongue and says to me, Derek, I love you and you're going to do very well. That's Aww. What other self-help book can you read? So that's what that, I bring that photograph up. Be yeah, a good parent and you bring up your children. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good photograph. Yeah. Oh, so good. And, and you've also been very um, inspired by your father, yes? Yeah, uh, and we're talking about wellness uh, today, but can you imagine if you come from an abused background? Uh, that is a, a place where we start to be unwell, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Mm. Uh, abuse is part of this uh, decline in wellness in many people's lives. You'll be surprised how many people are not well, not because they don't want to exercise or eat good food, but we all go through these incredible traumas. But for me, my wellness, every time I go through distressful places, is dad. Uh, my dad always tells me, hey, Get yourself together. You can really get through this. And that's why that man is special. But he also led by example. My dad was an incredible, he's an incredible, he's still alive. He, he was a teacher. Then he became a printer, a soap maker, a politician, a leader. And he went through all the motions of exploring all your talents. He never only did one thing in life. So that's why I, I cite him. And uh, that's why I think that he's a, he's a great man. Oh, yes. And, and you are living, you know, the next generation of example by doing all of the things that you're doing. Yes. And uh, I think that we, we become well by doing. Uh, I, in Africa, for example, we don't have psychiatrist offices. I, I don't know of any African that has ever gone to a psychiatrist for a problem. You know, they'll slap the hell out of you. For, <laughs> you have a problem, go, go deal with it. Hey, let's, let's, we'll help you carry the, pro, the problem together, you know? Yeah. If you, if you want to really understand... Community this, and family. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. And I have yeah. nothing against psychiatrists. But I'm telling you, if you want to be well in anything, have a good community around you, which is what we say in Africa. It takes a village. Yes. Our village is where our wellness begins. Yes. And that's what those two represent for me. Oh, oh so powerful. So mm -hmm. powerful. Here we go to oh, yes. of soap. Yes. Um, that's what it looks like um, when you go to a hotel room. Uh, many of us have. Uh, you use that soap once and they throw it out. Um, and they throw it in volumes. Uh, when I first came up with the idea, I didn't know how much volume it was going to be. 
And um, the first time they called me and said, hey, your soap is ready. Oh, my goodness. I went, I had a BMW at the time. I had a little BMW. I was one of those, sports, uh, you know, um, Americans, <laughs> diasporic Americans. And I went to pick up the soap in my BMW. It was three tons of soap. And I had to sell that BMW for the cause and bought a pickup truck, <laughs> a Ford, you know, an SUV, a Ford SUV to start picking up soap. So that's where that journey begins. So that yuckiness, you see, that trash is where the opportunity was, that yuckiness. Okay, so I have, I have so many questions because, yes, mm -hmm. you have really gone through a journey from the mm -hmm. moment that you started, um, I, I watched a little segment or read a segment. I don't recall, you know, I do research mm -hmm. on my, on the people that come on the show. And, mm -hmm. um, I recall a segment where your son looked at you and said, soap used soap. Yuck, dad, yuck. And so, you know, it made me think of a few things. First off, yeah. um, he didn't get the big picture, right? And yeah. how how could he as a child? And it's funny because I'm sure many people would think that way, and and Correct. not even as as children, adults too, right? And Correct. sometimes our family can be the 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 biggest adversaries, you know, like the the ones that are like, you know, we're not so sure that you can do this or you should do this. Yes. And yet holding a dream. And when you are the only one that has this big vision, mm -hmm. you have to be the one to carry it through. And you can't allow the thoughts of, of everyone else to, you know, impact that. Correct. Um, a lot of people um, don't know this, but every time you come up with an idea in your brain, in your mind, Stay with it for a second and really let, it, let the idea convince you and you convince the idea that you both belong together. Mm. Most people rush off. I, I, they think it's a good idea and they immediately tell the next person who proposes it and says, ah, I don't know, that's not going to work. And you drop the idea because you did not let the idea convince you and for you to convince the idea that both of you belong together. And if you do that, if you convince yourself and the idea convinces you that the both of you belong together, then you will work like hell to make it happen. <laughs> everything, everything that I know that has happened looks impossible. When John F. Kennedy says, let's go to the moon, we're going to go to the moon. Mm. I, I can guarantee you, April, a lot of people must have thought he's smoking something. Uh, I mean, good God. Really? Do you know what you need to go to the moon? The physics, the chemistry, the mathematics, the... Right. What do you need to go to the moon? A lot. But guess what? We've been there. Uh, we are now using GPS systems. We're using cell phones. We're using... Why? Because that idea was convinced that it can actually happen, and it was convinced through people's minds. So there are ideas out here that are waiting for you to, to buy into them. And most of us don't. And that's what happens to good ideas. They fall on the West side because you are not convinced. Uh, I love that. I had a comment come through. Uh, this is from the previous conversation. I love that become well by doing, but that's pretty much aligning in the topic that we're discussing. And, and I love how you married that together. When you have mm -hmm. an idea and a concept, 
ask yourself, do you fit together? Do you pair together? And, and then just like any relationship, because it mm -hmm. is, you know, when we have these big ideas and these goals and these dreams, they're going to, you know, consume our lives until we do it and we complete, you know, until the next. So it is this relationship of, you know, keep moving forward and do it together and that strength. Mm -hmm. um, you're absolutely right, April. And I have found wellness in, in, in my passion that in a way that no other form of medication or other any kind of, you know, psychology can do for me. Don't you get those jitters when, when you're going to do something remarkable, when you're doing something exciting that excites you? Like you, you're in, in high heaven. Yes. And that's why I tell my friends, if you want to be psychologically sane, go do the thing that you think is totally insane because it, it will you won't sleep, it will wake you up, you will dream about it, you will be so passionate. It's like a girlfriend. The first time you see your girlfriend, the, the girl that you love in your life, you can't sleep. I don't know about other men, but I can't sleep. I, I, if I see a beautiful woman, I just cannot sleep. I want to be with her the whole time. I want to eat with her. I want to dance with her. <laughs> That's how well you get when you're in a good relationship with yourself and the idea. It's an amazing, amazing feeling. It, it heals everything. Oh, man. That, that is such a wonderful way to put it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's the bathroom. Um, that's the room that I was in, and that's the bar of soap uh, that you see over there. And uh, the beauty about that room and that bar of soap is uh, that in there is my legacy. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but I, when I see that bathroom and that bar of soap there, I see my whole legacy and my there, work is this Is this the bathroom where you conceptualize this idea? Is this where it was? No, 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 no. This is uh, a different bathroom. I wish it was. I wish I'd taken photographs then, but we didn't have cell phone technology then yeah that would have been weird i would have been like wow yeah. for you to think to take a picture at that moment but, no, yeah. but this still brings back the same idea the same yes. you know this is this is this is why this picture indicates you know the the meaning behind it correct correct it's yeah. uh we all need that picture don't we um if yes. you don't have a picture in your in your mind and in your life that reminds you of how special you are then you you need to do that because that always will take you in that place of, of being and doing and wellness and encouragement. Uh, that's where we have photographs. They remind us of who we love and who that particular moment. That's why I have those photographs uh, to remind me from whence I've come. Well, and, and, you know, I could say a lot of things about, about this picture, but I'd love for mm -hmm. you to explain it yourself and what it means to you. But you know, the water, water is life. It is yes. cleanliness. You know, the bathroom is where we go to, to clean. Oftentimes it's where we go when we're feeling emotionally distraught. You know, it's, it's a kind mm -hmm. of a, a haven for many, many people. And mm -hmm. so tell me what this photo means to you. Initially, it, it, it's um, a photograph of grief and, and mourning for me because as a former refugee, uh, I, I grew up with a father that made soap, and I never made any realization that soap was that of a big deal. I thought everybody had soap. I thought every human being bathed and everything was good. But when the war began, and then we had no soap, and then you start to get lice in your hair, and you start to get, you know, 
skin diseases because you're not bathing, you know, uh, ringworm, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, you start to, to realize what, how powerful small things can be in your life that you don't even notice them. And so I started to get unwell physically because of this little bowel soap. And out of that particular picture, I realized that there's about 2 million kids that die every year due to poor hygiene. 2 million. It's amazing. And some of them die because when their mothers are giving birth to them, uh, yeah. the, the mothers, uh, the midwives deliver these children out of the mother's womb without washing their hands properly or without washing their hands with soap. And they leave a germ in the mother's womb that is called childbed fever. And then the child is, they, they cut the umbilical cord with a, with a, a knife that is not washed. Yeah. And they get infected and they die. Um, so that's the first picture. It's a picture of grief. But then out of that comes this new picture of hope. Uh, that when we recycle that soap, we can actually afford to give that soap to these kids and it was so important to me because that's when I get to get this idea. And with COVID coming down the pike, I felt so proud that we were doing this because the first guard and the first defense against COVID is washing your hands yeah. with soap. Yeah. So was then it there's hope in that. Nightingale, is that correct? That first um, brought that concept to light? Yes, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's what I have is, is, a, is a figure of hope. So out of distress comes this idea of hope. But in between those two bookends is Derek in the middle of that. So in others, that bow of soap would have never changed into something of hope if Derek never understood the power of that moment and never took it as a burden to carry and to solve. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that picture does say a lot. Mm -hmm. does say a lot. Mm -hmm. So here, you tell me about this picture. Well, then the work begins, yeah? yeah. Uh, we were trying to figure out how do you kill the germs on the soap because that's where the yak factor, we'll talk about that in a minute, comes in. Yeah. Where, where do you, you know, and the first initial thought was that I had to understand what the chemistry of soap, yeah? Yes. Soap is a chemical and uh, very few germs actually enjoy being on soap, you know, because it's a chemical. They don't like it, like it very much. But this is a peeling process. So you peel the first layer off, which is what you and I use when we were in the hotel, to get into the inside layer, which by that time you 80% clean the soap once you peel off that layer. And that's what we were doing here. At one point, I owned the largest number of potato peelers in the whole world. Because everybody who came to the factory had to come with a potato peeler and help us clean. So this was the first experiment we did before we got into yeah. the much more advanced way of, of, uh, of, of uh, cleaning the soap. Yeah. So you went from, okay, I'm, these, these, this hotel said that I could have some soap. They're giving me the leftover soap. I'm filling up my car, which isn't big enough, to mm -hmm. now I have to have a space and a place to... I want to say harvest the soap, but yeah. you know, to, to revamp it, right. To use what can be used Correct. and, you know, volunteers that can help me accomplish this goal. So where did you do this? Was this in the United States? And, and then, so where did you do this? And then where did it go to? This was in Atlanta. That's the first place we had our first factory. And, um, 
the, 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 there was a gentleman, because the way I've done all my legacy work is through friendship. Uh, most people do their legacy work through other ways. You know, they have a lot of money to start. They have a lot of investors and that kind of thing. I did not. Um, I actually cashed in my 401k and uh, used my money to buy the first machine to recycle the soap. Mm. Uh, that investment is why those people are there. People will always come and share with you your goal and your work if you really are genuine and organically bought in. Uh, people don't like fakeness. And I wanted this to start off mechanically in a very organistic way, if there's a, such a word. And these are office people that use this as a team building exercise. And so we make this up. And then for them to know that that exercise is going to actually save a life of a child in Malawi or in Zambia or in Haiti, that's where they connect into my wellness. So they'll be getting well spiritually and physically and emotionally because they know they're giving back. So that is the kind of ripple effect of wellness. If you are well, April, a lot of people around you are going to be well too. That's the beauty about this particular process. So the soap is going to Malawi. And yes. And, yeah. and I want to go over that, that, yeah. that part a little bit and a little mm -hmm. bit. Okay. So this is where we go into the yuck factor. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but um, this, can we all agree that all of us have that thinking recycled soap, yuck factor, who's going to use that? Ugh. I'm not going to touch that. And Americans are so bougie, man. You guys are so well, bougie, man. Actually, Derek, I have a lot of questions. And I, and honestly, respectfully, I yeah. do not know a whole lot about soap. However, mm -hmm. I always thought, well, soap is soap and you just use it. I mean, I, I still use bar soap. I, I use both. But um, like more than one person uses it. And because it's soap, like it cleans and kills the bacteria. Yeah. So what does it matter or, and does it matter? Um, you know, are germs still transferred? I mean, you must know a lot about that, like you're describing now. So how do you manage that? And again, don't know a lot about soap. Is there some sort of processing where, you know, you're heating it up enough to, to kill those excess germs that are potentially there? Yeah. So actually it, it wasn't really heating because if you heat the soap up or if you boil it, as most people think you, we boiled it, um, not, not, not efficient. That's not an effective way to actually clean it. Okay. Uh, because it, it, it's, first of all, it's expensive. The utility that you need to clean the soap by washing it or boiling it, that bill will be through the roof. Well, and it may change the, 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 the chemistry of it. And yeah. 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 That makes sense. So you don't want to do that. So what I did, uh, which is part of the innovation here, um, I had to think of how do you kill the germs on the soap without altering the chemistry of the soap. Am I right? Right. And so I came up with the notion of actually ziplocking the soap and pulling the air out of the ziplock and creating a vacuum okay. and starving the germs of any kind of oxygen. Okay. And you have just already killed 98% of those germs. Boom, by that process alone. Okay, so and, you're telling me that uh, I should use that nice bar of soap that I like to use for Christmas and yes. use my machine that I use to um, for my meat. Now I can't. Yes. To, to, <laughs> yeah. Here. 
and store yes. it that way? Cool. Yes. Great. Thanks for and, that. And I can guarantee you, if you take it to the lab and ask them to test, they will test for 12 pathogens, it will come back negative. Negative. Brilliant. Yeah. So that's where the cleverness begins, yeah? Um, okay. Because a lot of people have thought about recycling soap, but they didn't know how to kill the germs. Yeah. And that's where my magic begins. So what is this gentleman doing here? So he's going to crush that soap that we just peeled and uh, into, oh. into a powder. Yeah. Okay. And then he's, he's going to ziplock that into those plastic uh, bags that are industrial plastic. They're very thick. And you wait for about three days to a week. And you then open that soap back up. And it's very dry at the time. It's like uh, laundry detergent soap. And then we have to reconstitute that back into a bathroom. So that machine you see, which is my invention, thank you, Home Depot. <laughs> it's a cement mixer. Cement we put that. Yeah. Yeah, we put the powder soap in there and we add a little bit of moisture to it and it turns into a feta cheese texture. And that feta cheese texture is what you then put into the machine that we have and out comes this long buzz of soap. That, there you it go. Is. Yeah. There in fact, the next, the next slide should show you something interesting. Um, um, if you look at it, but it should show, yeah. So that's one day's wow. recycled soap by students from University of Michigan who came to volunteer at the factory. All that would have ended up in the landfills. All Did of you that. say that one day's or? Yeah, that's one wow. day of recycling that they, that they did, yeah. That's one day. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. So yeah. now, Derek, you've had to partner with many people to really make this dream come true. I'm curious, yeah. you know, because now you're you're pushing it out to places in need. And I would assume, you know, your home country, Africa, you know, and there's so many other places. But what world organizations, I know you're involved with a few, but is that kind of where you started making your connections and the resources? And then how did you get there? Did you connect with FedEx, you know, any, I'm sure it would be, you know, major flight, but how, how did you do this? Yeah. And so it's not enough to do the recycling part and be, do the clever work, but then you have to look at all the, the, the supply chain and all the distribution chains and all that stuff. And I'll tell you something very interesting. Um, I thought about the cost of how much it would cost us to deliver that bulb. So if we take it, let's say, to Uganda, how much is that going to cost us? Yeah. Um, and is then, it going to make sense, you know, by yes, the time it, you're said and done? Yes. Is it going to make sense for the time it's said and done? And it was not making sense at all. It wasn't. And I said to them, I said, what do we do? So the second factory was in Vegas, yeah? That's where we built the second factory. That's and a good place to find soap from hotels. Yes, I tell you yes. What. The, the largest number of hotel rooms in the whole world is in Vegas. Well, now it's Macau, I guess. The, the Chinese have, have beaten us again. But every, Vegas is landlocked, am I right? Yeah. So everything that comes into Vegas, okay, comes full in terms of tra the trailer, the, trailer uh, uh, the lorries that come there, the, the trucks. But when they leave, they leave empty because Vegas doesn't make anything. Wow. So I went to all those transporters and I said to them, look, if you were to ship something back to LA, to the coastline, how much would you charge me for it? 
Because in, in, in accounting, even though the truck is empty, that space still has a what? A cost and a price, mathematically. So they said, oh, it would cost you $3,000. I said, okay, if you were to donate that space to me, I could write you a letter as a nonprofit and say that you donated $3,000 to me. And that way, you can write that off your, your, your books. It was a win-win for the transporters and for Global Soul Project. There, you and truly that, are a brilliant, brilliant mind. <laughs> I, I love that. And yeah. I, I think through my research a little bit, and correct me if I'm wrong, but but you you definitely help businesses have that, you know, that innovative thinking and twist to to help structure <laughs> some of these incredible ideas that truly is brilliant. And it worked. It did. It did. I got $1 million in donated uh, uh, transportation cost. Wow. So I never spent a single dime on transportation. I love that. Yeah. So, so smart to use that. And um, I think eventually I, I could have come up with that thought eventually. <laughs> <laughs> but that's great. Look at all of yeah. these boxes. So so continuing from there, now, yeah. now we have the product, you know, on the coast, on the West Coast, now what? It's ready to ship. We've just packed a, 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 a 20 foot container that has about a million bars of soap in it. Each one of those boxes has about 130 bars of soap, which if you give to a family of four, would um, last them for a whole year. Mm -hmm. And that is important in healthcare mm -hmm. because then you are not only just giving them above soap for one day or for one week, it's for a whole year, and that really can have an impact on their health and uh, wellness. Uh, so you are able then to teach cleanliness because they have the product for the whole year, and it becomes a habit. And once the cleanliness becomes a habit, you're in business. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, and you, and you wouldn't really think about that, but you talked about that a little bit when you went back. You know, you, you once had you know, soap and you never thought you, you thought that everybody would always have soap. And then you, you had moments where you had to live without it and you're Correct. seeing the effects of that. And so we don't think often about how that would be for anyone because it's not in our day-to-day -day lives or that people don't have it as a habit because it's not their day-to-day -day lives, but just the, yeah, the effect that it has and what it does. I love this picture. <laughs> There's your soap. This is your dream. I also wanted to bring in this comment. Hillary said, God didn't give others the dream. It was given to you and we must protect it. So Absolutely. Absolutely. That was very nicely said. I, I traveled to Africa. It was South Africa. However, when I was 18, I was young mm -hmm. and one of the most, it was really a profound experience for me because I, I grew up here in the United States. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't see yet other parts of the world and what it was like. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I remembered, you, you talked a little bit about what it's like, how, how infants die because, you know, right after being born, they're not handled properly. They're exposed Correct. to so much and because it's not handled properly, there's no, you know, cleansing. And one of the things that I witnessed was a, a woman that was going into labor and they were carting her and pushing her on what I would consider like a lunch cart. 
um, mm. that, that we use here. And yeah. I was blown away. And, yeah. and then they didn't use gloves. Yeah. And, and I had never seen that before. I was like, mm -hmm. why? Why? And so, yeah. you know, there's absolutely the need in, in other places, in so many other places. And so what Correct. you've done is incredible. I love it. And so what, what is this number? Tell me now, where have we come? Those are the number of bars of soap that are thrown away every year by hotels in the U.S. 800 million bars of soap that are thrown away every year. And so you get a little used. section of that. <laughs> you know, um, do a lot of good. Yeah, you, you can look at that number and do two things. Uh, one person can look at that number coming from abroad, for example, into this new culture and say how wasteful Americans are. You know, mm -hmm. how wistful can you be? Or you can complain a little bit and say, okay, they're wistful, but you can then say, I'm going to turn that number around. I'm going to do something about that. And that is what people like myself, people who are innovators do. They complain for a little while, but then immediately they start to think about how can we make this a better story than what it is. And so for me, I realized that as an Amer a new American coming into this country, that my job was to look at that um, study of liberty when I was flying over New York and realize that I'm in a country where changing that number into a boon, into a blessing to somebody else is exactly why you come to the United States. This is exactly what you do. You come here in an essence not to complain, but to construct. And those of you who are complaining about the country, good, do a little bit of complaining. But remember, we're headed towards a perfect union. That's what we're trying to do. Mm. And perfection is not easy to come about. It's, it's best on you making errors and mistakes and all that stuff. And so that number, the 800 million number, now turns into me dancing with these young little wonderful girls <laughs> who are smelling beautifully and they are shiny and look gorgeous compared to the picture that most of you are used to seeing of African children who look like they're miserable and there's flies all over them. I have that photograph to show you that you can take that 800 million number of soaps thrown away into trash and turn them into a blessing. And that's what you're seeing right now in that picture. We are dancing because that idea has come to fruition. I love that. Ah, Girls love soap, April. Yeah. Boys don't. <laughs> Boys do not. <laughs> Which is why in some of our traditions, we don't ever shake boys' hands because they never wash their hands. Um, that's why we bow that. down and say, yeah, we bow down and say, namaste, don't touch me, you bloody <laughs> bastard, don't touch me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this is a, a picture that shows that this girl um, is, is, is going to be okay. And uh, she's bathing and, and, and washing from this. By the way, this is elite soap. It's beautiful smells. It's beautiful leather. It's, it's, ah, it's just a lovely thing. Yeah. She yeah. looks so happy. Wellness over there. Yeah, there you go. Now all the kids are puzzled. And they want to all, you know, wash their hands in this beautiful soap from the U.S. that uh, just come in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a joy. What a joy. Ah. 
It's an often, it's an often, uh, orphanage, uh, Kenya Relief. It was an orphan that I gave soft to that was studied by an American girl from Alabama. Um, and uh, she went to Kenya and built this orphanage. And unfortunately, April, she died of malaria. That American girl died of malaria while in Africa trying to do good. But her spirit lives in this young girl. And giving that young girl a bowl of soap, and uh, she's in this orphanage. So this orphanage and my soap, you know, meet at this place of hope and life. And that's what that girl's smile is all about. Boy, you know, Derek, and here I am saying this as as an American, but it's sometimes hard to look at these pictures because then it makes me want to adopt and do some sort of good in the world. And <laughs> um, but you know, it, you know, your story of this person who who went to Africa to do some good and got malaria. Um, I I was in Africa for two months mm -hmm. and um, I became very, very ill for the majority yeah. of the time. I was so sick. I couldn't eat mm -hmm. anything. I lost a lot of weight. I was an 18 year old. I didn't need to lose anything. Yeah. And, and I was so, <laughs> so ill. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there, it's definitely it was the first time I've ever seen leprosy. You, uh, you know, I've yes. never seen illness like yeah. that. I, I didn't mm -hmm. know it existed. I thought that was historical. I thought that was yeah. like back in the, the stone ages, you know, like mm -hmm. I didn't understand that or witness that until then. And it really, truly opened my mind. Um, I want to bring one of these comments in. Manly said that one beautiful idea led to jobs, purpose, improved hygiene, life-saving disease prevention, reduced waste, sustainable practices, and I'd say helps the logistics industry. <laughs> yeah, what I mean, compendium. Yeah. You, you really have made such a massive impact with this little dream, right? Which, you know, is little to begin with, but it's this big idea that, that you were brave enough to keep running with, to keep pushing. And that's, that's what I think is incredible. Um, when we come from such you know, different areas and we see different things and we experience different things, just like my experience in Africa. And when I came back to the States, I realized this is where dreams are made. This is the land of opportunity. And, and I say to myself, I think every high schooler in America should go visit a third world country to have that mm -hmm. understanding and that realization that there is so much opportunity here. And, yeah. and bring it to light for good. I mean, the, look at this. There's so mm. much good that we can do. And yeah. um, so I want to go a little into, because you, Derek, are really being this, this big game changer, you know, amongst mm -hmm. world, you know, you, world choices, world leaders. You've talked a little bit about... Um, the few people that have those responsibilities, those Correct. stances, um, you know, in order to make the real big changes, the world, the, the real world changes that need to happen. And mm -hmm. you've talked a little bit about um, what's called the factors of production, right? Yes. And yes. that goes into land, which is our resources, mm -hmm. technology, mm -hmm. capital, that's mm -hmm. the funding, the finances, mm -hmm. and then lever. Lever, And yes. how you talk about lever, let's go into that. Mm -hmm. um, here, I'll go back to this until we go in there. But 
let's talk about that. What does lever mean? Because on an individual mm -hmm. level, that's what it means, right? Is that what we do ourselves can really mm -hmm. have the biggest impact. Yeah, of all the four factors of production, which is a, a, a principle I borrowed from economics, uh, one of those four is smarter than the other three. And uh, it's labor, which is you and me. Uh, capital cannot do anything without human engagement. Uh, land cannot do anything without being tilled by human beings into a commercial production. Technology can never happen without us invented, inventing the technology. Yeah? Now we're talking about AI and uh, how smart AI is going to be. But what labor can also do is it can also, if, if misused and misinterpreted, can also destroy those three other factors of production. And so I usually tell people that if labor is not well, meaning if labor is sick, if you human beings are sick, if you are abused, if you are given the conditions or the milieu of war, as we are seeing in Ukraine, mm. you can then disrupt the other three things to where you can actually destroy our environment. Yeah. And so we always have to first take care of us as human beings. Our wellness is so key in the proper exploitation of the other three factors of production. So education is part of wellness. And that education on how you use the other factors of production properly makes you a wealthy and well human being. So the lack of wellness in a human being is what makes the other three factors collapse and do poorly. Corruption is a, is a, is a, is a horrible uh, part of humanity. Uh, abusing uh, other human beings, another horrible factor in, within our labor force. So paying people poorly, you know, uh, is a bad thing. If, if women are not paid the same amount of salary that men are paid, and they do the same amount of work, that is a form of abuse that makes the woman unwell. And the woman is unwell there, meaning that she can't afford to buy at a certain level that men are can afford, that means that her home won't afford all the things that the other things the other people can afford. So those are signs of abusing labor. And that's why I talk about labor as the most important factor of production because it's the smartest and if abused, it can be very bad for the other three factors of production. Right. And it really is this chain reaction, isn't it? You Correct. know, on, you know all of these little things and how they make such a huge impact on how we show up and how we, you know, perform in the world. And if we're not okay with ourselves, then we're not going to be okay anywhere else. So yes. Derek, you talk um, a lot about migration because this is, mm -hmm. this is where you've come from and, you know, how to make bigger impacts, you know? Um, and so you've talked a little bit about the future of America beyond 2045 can Correct. you explain a little bit about that, um, you know, with the health of America, politically, mm -hmm. socially, economically, uh, through the eyes of the new migration? Mm -hmm. Well, we have to first remember uh, an African proverb that I, that I came up with uh, to give to my son. And the proverb of the riddle goes something like this. Why is the ocean 
so wise. And I don't know what people think, but most people think it's because it's wise, because it's, it's deep or it's big and that kind of thing. But that's not why the ocean is wise. The ocean is wise because it's fed by many, many rivers. And each of those rivers, if you notice April, flows from in the hinterland uh, and carries with it a journey. And that journey is that if it's less than the Mississippi River, it goes through that whole area before it pours into the ocean. And that journey comes with a lot of stories. And when the river gets to the ocean, the ocean doesn't say, oh, I don't want your story. You, you went through Mississippi, and you, you went through New Orleans, I, 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 wherever you came you're from. Dirty. Ah, you're dirty. <laughs> no. The ocean says, come on, let's, let's tell me your story. And you bring in all that data, and the ocean takes that data, that horrible story, and it becomes part of its what? Learning. But it also gets good rivers that have beautiful stories, like the River Nile. Yeah? As it pours into its own ocean, it's pouring in all this Egyptology and this, this African wisdom. Mm. And that's what America should be, and that's what America is. The reason why America is so successful April, this country is less than what? 350 years old. Yeah. And look at what it is now. It is the smartest country, literally, almost. Okay? Because in those 350 years, they've been able to take stories from England, from Africa, from Russia. Everybody in New York City is from somewhere else. There's 92 languages spoken in New York City alone. That is a form of wisdom. America is an ocean that is wisdom-driven, and if we stop that immigration, that migration of new rivers coming into pour into our wisdom, we will stop being wise, and we will stop being a place where new ideas are, are, are birthed every year. So what I see in us is hope for the rest of the whole world, that even though we have these tough conversations, we are actually having these tough conversations and we've always had these tough conversations. We shouldn't fear these tough conversations because that's what makes us smart. We are, we are one country that will never shy away from having a tough conversation. So America, do not stop having tough conversations. If it's the LGBT conversation, let's have it. If yeah. it's the transgender conversation, let's have that conversation. Because we've, we've had the civil rights conversation, we've had the women's uh, suffrage conversation, We've had the independence. Of, we've had every conversation you can think of. Some countries have never had this, some of this conversation. That's what makes us smart. So as long as we do that, by 2024, 2050, we'll still be the greatest country in the world. I love that. And it makes me think and go back to, you know, your, your childhood and that sense of community. And, mm -hmm. you know, instead of hiding from your problems and the issues and seeing a shrink or whatever it is you need to do, right? It's utilize what you have, your family, your community. And, and to me, this is the same thing. You know, it's all coming together. It's this big blended family. It's, Correct. you know, utilizing each other to, to bounce ideas off, to collaborate. Mm. And, mm. um, that really is a beautiful, I, there's so many African proverbs that I just love and adore. And, mm -hmm. and if you'd like, we can, um, finish this up. So is, are these pin marks, all of the places that you have distributed the soap? 
yes, that's the incredible. That's, uh, yeah, that's the legacy right there. That's yeah. that's how powerful the idea was. Ninety-two countries around the world is a, is yeah. an amazing, amazing achievement. Yes, that is. So here's this, um, and if we have a little bit of time, but this is your acronym that you came up with, which I just love. Mm -hmm. Tell a little mm -hmm. bit about it. Uh, that everything begins with you. Um, don't start to ask other people to do your work. You've got to do your work. Everything begins with you. But to begin, you've got to be a servant. Uh, learn how to serve. Um, if you learn how to serve, you learn how to be educated about people's needs. An educated servant is a great leader. And a great leader is a man or woman who has faith, not just spiritual faith, but also has faith in others and have, has faith in themselves. That will bring you to a place of confidence, a place of awareness and of love. Everything begins with self, you. Oh, that's beautiful. And um, couldn't have said it better myself. I, I love <laughs> that you came up with this. It just makes perfect sense. And, and I really yeah. like this too. Don't seek perfection, seek balance, mm -hmm. seek mm -hmm. consistency, seek justice, seek passion, seek a cause for humanity and your life shall have meaning. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. Cool. Right. I want to let everybody know how to contact you. Um, your social media is at Derek Kayongo. So yes. everybody know this. And also it's going to be in the description below along with a couple of website links. But really, if you want to find Derek, um, honestly, all you have to do is type his name in the search engine bar and you're going to find all of the amazingness that he is <laughs> creating in the world. So mm -hmm. um, Derek, it has been more than a pleasure to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Is there mm -hmm. anything else you'd like to share with the audience today? Uh, my thing is that uh, I wish that everybody spend some time to be well. Uh, discover yourself. Uh, means that you discover yourself not just once, but continuously. There's so many sides to you that you have never explored. But the way to get to know you better is by taking on amazing work that seems impossible, but actually ends up being doable. Everything is possible if you're well spiritually, physically, and intelligently. Your intellect, your spirituality, your physicality, your emotion has to come from you taking on remarkable things that you're passionate about. So stay the course, be well. <laughs> be well and write down the self acronym and put it on a sticky note and stick it on your mirror because yeah. it's it's a good reminder Derek thank you so much for being on the wellness driven life show it it truly has been an honor I feel like I feel like this episode is going to go down in history because <laughs> oh. You know, you are, and, and you're doing, you're doing so many incredible things. I'm, I feel so blessed and honored to know you and be with you and have this moment with you in time. Um, and for the rest of you, please be sure many of you are going to be watching the replay. You can leave your comments in the comment section below. I will return those. And I want to say um, goodbye for now, and we will see you tomorrow. 
Thank you. God bless.